as we go on, nope. <laughs> we remember uh, nope. No, 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 all no. the times we had together. Ooh, a little pitchy. And <laughs> as our lives change, oh, where are we going here? Wow. Come whatever. Now make it minor key. We will still be friends forever. Oh, that got scary and unresolved, and I hated every second of it. Hi, welcome to post grad. It's <laughs> the, the the adventure zone zone following up graduation. I'm uh, your former dungeon master and best friend, Travis McElroy. I'm Griffin McElroy. Are we doing? Are we doing this? I don't know. This is it? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean introducing ourselves. It's something we never ever do on the show. No, oh, hey, I'm Justin. I play the. I played a lot of different roles in the show, uh, f- but uh, my favorite was Festo. You did great. You did a really good job with Festo. Thank you. And I'm Clint McElroy, and I was Argonaut Keen and confused. Okay, great, perfect. <laughs> da- uh, welcome. Oh, we're going to be discussing, you know, overall uh, questions, and we have some questions from listeners, and we'll be discussing the next arc of the Adventure Zone. But first, I wanted to open it up, because uh, we haven't really talked about it uh, after after finishing the finale. Did you guys have any, like, unresolved questions for me about uh, graduation? I'm curious about the sort of shift that I feel like happened uh, maybe halfway through the season where the sort of school format yeah. was, I, I, and we talked about this. This is not, uh, this is, this is not, you know, some new discussion, but this, the format of us being students in a school became a little bit of an albatross of like, yeah. how do we actually make that? Uh, how do we, how do we D and Dify that? Like, how do we make that a game? And there were a few different levels of that. One, like we were upgraded from just pure hinge people pretty quickly because we had like one quest where we realized like playing somebody's assistant was just tough for us to do this show as. But then it seems like we we sort of shifted over to something something else, something less uh, structured in the way that school is structured. And I'm curious, like how you how you kind of thought about that that shift. Yeah, so from the beginning, I mean, this was originally designed as a kind of spoof of, uh, I hate, and I hate that this is true, but of Harry Potter, mostly. When you say spoof also, you're not talking about like, this this wasn't the scary movie of Harry Potter. No, no, no. Okay. It it was meant to kind of, and, and not just Harry Potter, I guess, more to say like, uh, a lot of the tropes of like, the school you know, uh, adventurer thing, sky high, uh, descendants, a lot of that kind of thing. Riverdale. Uh, Riverdale, yes, exactly, Sabrina. And pretty quickly, it did, as you said, begin to feel very restrictive as far as like going on adventures went, because I think that the school setting is great for like interpersonal dramas and conflict and stuff but not so great about like task oriented things. And I think what I kind of realized that I'd always kind of taken for granted is if you watch or read those stories, they move out of classrooms pretty quickly that like, you unless you're like saved by the bell, you're not like sitting in a classroom, you know, once an episode or whatever, like they kind of establish they are in school and then you spend less and less time in the building every time. 
But for me, I think it just making you guys have more agency as characters became more important. And I think the student kind of structure was limiting in that regard because I didn't want you guys to feel like you were locked into like a class schedule or like worrying about getting in trouble with teachers or whatever the shit. Right. Do, do you, I, you have talked a lot about like what you would do differently, which oh, is so many things, which is very natural. I feel like I, I feel the very same way about amnesty. Like if I could go back and, you know, replan the first half of amnesty, like I absolutely would to kind of limit character creep and, um bloat like plot bloat and stuff like that but i'm curious like if you could go back would you what would you do differently about like the school structure like what would you do do differently about that i think it would still be similar but i think instead of like a school it would be kind of a guild thing where there would be training and there would be you know like people running it and everything but i think it would be a lot less traditional school structured um, because I think the other thing, my other kind of big thing I changed right from the beginning is because it was a school, I was so worried about it feeling empty. And so like I had all these teachers and NPCs and other students and stuff in my head because I wanted it to feel fully populated, right? Like there's right. a lot of people here and, oh, who teaches this and who teaches this and who teaches this? And I think in worrying so much about that, I tried so hard right at the beginning to make it feel populated that it was just way too fucking many characters. Um, And I think with a guild kind of structure, I could have loosened that up a lot while still having the, we're going out on adventures and this person's going to train you in this thing and still kind of had a similar idea without making it like class schedules and this person's the bursar and that kind of thing. Dad, Justin, anything you guys want to ask before we get into the listener questions? Justin, how much of Fearbolg was was fully formed when we went into graduation? Mm, what are you referencing specifically? Well, I mean, his philosophy, his 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 philosophy was easy because it was almost in every episode we ever recorded. I always had the Fearbolg code uh, pulled up. I always had it there and would refer to it anytime that i mean it was almost like a cheat sheet right anytime like i i I mean eventually i just had it by heart so i didn't need it like there in front of me but anytime that there would be i would be unsure about something i would think bravery effort honor over birth tribes honor over yours the blood of the run is the blood of the king give a thousand for nothing truth is the honor of the tribe like that and that that is the the guiding principle that i used for him um and is that, I fr- guess, is that from the like from the source materials, like from a book, or where, uh, where is that? It's from? from the Forgotten Realms wiki, um, okay. And, and it's translated, of course, from uh, the the original uh, Fear Ball and Jotun. Okay, uh, sure. Giant oh, language. right, right, right. Um, so that was like always the guiding principle, and then I just introduced this one idea of, but also agency, but yeah. also. What if what if someone in there like came up with a better way of doing things, um, and that was really informed by the the idea of commerce in in this world and the the importance of commerce in this world because I think that I wanted to see like if that was going to be a very important tenant how would that idea of economics and market forces and all that right. stuff. 
like s- affect him. You say a better way of doing things, though, and I'm not entirely convinced that that ended up being true. For well, the fear it was ball. from the Fearbulk's point of view. Well, right? maybe, like, but but to a limited extent, right? Because I feel like there was a certain amount of his his mercantile nature that was like pretty way backpedaled by by the end of the season. And I, I don't know if you felt the same if you felt the same way, but it, I, I don't know. It felt like you were going so hard in that direction when you were taking the economics classes and sort of uh, brushing up on on the lingo, so to speak. But after, especially after the scene where uh, Fearbolg's uh, father dies, I, f- I feel I yeah I don't know. That's what it read to me as if you were sort of backing I, away from that pretty pretty dramatically to lean on those those tenets. For me, and I would love to say that this is all like a hundred percent intentional. But, you know, there's all kinds of anything like this is littered with thousands of happy accidents and and hindsight. And in hindsight, you can craft a a narrative that justifies pretty much anything. But I would say that for me, I think what that reflected was a very college experience of that that the fear bulb had of being introduced to a new idea that was incredibly inspiring to you that soon became like the center of almost every conversation, every thought you had was guided by this one thing, right? It's like, he was like the person that took philosophy 101 and then in every conversation was like, but what does truth mean? (laughs) You know what I mean? But then as, as he got, like longer in the story and it, and and as he was sort of like drawn back to his own culture what i tend to think of it as is he found ways to synthesize that as like not his totality of his personality but rather a facet of him and and it helped him sort of integrate into the garys in a way that uh made a lot of sense i just want to say uh i think i am i think i enjoy being a player more than i enjoy being a dm and this is not a judgment call, right? I think that some people have strengths and weaknesses and everything, and I think I'm a stronger player than I am a DM. And I just want to say that right off the bat. One of the things, though, that I am very proud of as as a, a DM in this is that the college experience thing was something that I was kind of quietly doing the whole time. Yeah. And so, like... For example, like the uh, the broken chain, right, represented a fraternity to me, right? And them trying to separate Argo out from the other two and make it about them and, like, you, bl- we're your friends now, right? And that kind of thing of trying to excise him out. And then Argo making the choice of, like, no, I'm just going to tell them everything. I care more about them than I do with you. It was, like, a choice that, that Argo made. And that thing of, like... I knew how much Fearbolg was looking to belong, so I introduced him to this dynamic teacher of of you know economics and accounting, and that caught on. And then seeing the Fearbolg marry that into his own beliefs and bring it back to a point where he feel comfortable. The idea of like everybody trying to push the Fearbolg to lie, and the Fearbolg continually standing up to them and continually being like, "That is not who I am." Like that idea of being tested as you like make that transition into adulthood and not just doing things, you know, doing things because you believe in it. And one of one of my happiest moments, the moments when like I had this little tiny explosion of joy inside is when Griffin completely on his own made the decision to basically change majors and say, I don't want to be a knight anymore. 
And I was like, yes, yes, yes. It was yeah. like so perfect of that, of like, I went into college thinking, knowing what I wanted to be. And then like realizing, no, that's not actually it. Like that was what I wanted to be when I was a kid. And now that I'm growing up as an adult, I see what I really want it was, to be. It was even more than that. Because I, what I felt for Fitz was this uh, deprogramming of thinking of other people, based, like judging them based on their value. And yeah. as a result, like judging myself based on my value. And I think that's a big reason like he wanted to go into the knighthood. And, you know, we didn't necessarily get to explain like the origins of all that. But you saw some of the dissonance of like, you know, he is not exactly who he says he is based on these these letters that uh, uh, Argo wrote to his mom. And I think a, a lot of that was just like posturing. And a lot of that was just like that's how he thought to conduct himself. And that, that's how he thought like, Oh, that's how he thought of success. Yeah. And over the, the 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 story, like I just feel like that was revealed to him that that is not the healthiest way to judge people or judge yourself or think about life or or any of that. And so him stepping down from being a knight was just like, yeah, that's I I don't have to be a knight to be like to think of myself as worthy or or whatever anymore. Um. Yeah, I want to. I want to ask a question to you, Griffin. Travis just said uh, that he feels like he is a better player than a DM. Now that you've done both, where do you think your skills? I'm exceptional at both. Uh, oh wow, <laughs> so okay. one of the best. Uh, oh, you're no. channeling Fitzroy now. Okay. Yeah. Uh, God, I don't know. It's 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 hard to say. Um, I will say that I had more fun being a player. By a pretty huge margin. Oh yeah, uh, baby! Yeah, it is so much easier. It's yeah, way so jealous. Easier, uh, and also like I don't know it. That drive you all had to fuck with me when I was running stuff in in balance and amnesty to like see how far you could push it. Uh, when when I had occasion to do that in graduation, it was like genuinely exciting, and I get it now. It's not from like this felt good, didn't it? Yeah, it's not, but it's not like a misanthropic energy. It's just no. like exciting to i don't know to rest authorship a, a, a bit on on the fly as you go um I, I i thought was really fun but that said like i don't know i did there's something more comprehensive about dming and like making the music and that that was uh kind of a challenge uh this time around like scoring stuff and me and Travis can talk about that like not knowing like what was going to come next or what the context of the scene was going to be and etc cetera, etc cetera. um there, I don't know. It's my own sort of control freaky nature. I feel like found a lot of satisfaction in in DMing and production and and all that stuff. But there is an amount of dread that I felt every time I sat down to record when I was in charge of the show. Right? Oh, when you're yeah. DMing and and uh, there were certainly high stakes episodes and episodes that I felt like you know there's a dramatic beat here that we need to stick the landing on. Uh, but I did not feel that dread at all. Um, so. Yeah, it's it's you know it's different different stuff. Uh, do we want to start doing some of these audience questions? And if yeah. anything else pops up, go ahead and roll yes. with us. Sure. Yeah, yes. Please. What have you learned from being the DM in graduation? Whew. Do you think you'll play D and D any differently now that you have been a DM? That's from Angela. Well, so two different questions there. Uh, what have I learned as a DM? You know, it it's funny because I think that the times when I felt like I was doing a good job or doing the best job I was doing 
and the times I was having the most fun is when I had the loosest grip on the reins. Yeah. But the thing, yeah, but the thing about that is that is also horrifying. Like, right. Right? Like, there is not a lot of security there. So, like, uh, the last two episodes, uh, Mission Impossible, uh, there were, like, a couple other episodes in there where I was like, oh, yeah, this is going great. But if anything misfires, I have no fucking clue what to do. Right? And so it's it, the, the feeling of, like, running while leaning forward where it's just like me and and so I think that that is the maybe where the lack of strong suit lies is like if if you are someone with like underlying control issues yeah yeah you might have a a, a good time telling your friends a story and you might not have as easy a time letting other people play that that shit out it's, as much yeah we've and me and travis have talked about this off off air a lot and and this is like doing an actual play show like this is the thing is this balance between prep and authorship and playing the game right and i i fully feel the same way about uh balance i feel the same way about amnesty and i know you feel the same way about graduation of just I I wish I had the I don't know if it's confidence I don't know what I don't know what that the the character trait is but it's fucking terrifying to go in without a like beat for beat plan without right. without knowing exactly what's going to happen in the episode but like that's the that's the nature of the the game and that's the that's like what makes the medium work so so well and I know people get frustrated at us for for this exact thing too um but yeah, I, I feel the same way that it, it is this show and really this medium is at its best when you are when you have just enough planned and not a not a beat more. And I think that that's something that, you know, we, I think you and I both know a lot better now. Yeah. And I also now having this be, be my first time DMing like a full arc. I, I think the thing that I would do is I would kind of reverse the way I plan things because I went into it. With when I was thinking about not over planning, I was thinking about a goal that I wanted the story to go to overall, right? Right. And so I would plan episode by episode. But then the problem with that is I would have flipped that, right? And I would have said, like, this is where I'm heading. And then I would have done less prep for each episode. Right. Because the thing is, is like, and and I I I think that I could have smoothed out the whole episode the whole season a little bit more if I'd known what's going to happen in it that I know now. Because there were just like, he, like for example, uh, Chaos wasn't like a planned character until like two episodes before I introduced them. Right. Um, and then I like had that idea of like, I think Chaos is a character in it and that's where all this stems from. And then it worked out great. Um, and and But like, that was kind of how it kept going. It's like, oh, okay, I think this is what's gonna happen now. Okay, great. And that, when those clicked, was great. It was like, oh, that makes so much sense. I'm so excited about this thing. But then to get to that point, I would have to take a, a heavier hand in guiding each episode, which I think felt more restrictive. I think there were a couple of times, I mean, off mic, where we had the conversation of like, hey, what are we supposed to be doing? And I was like, oh, I, I don't have anything planned for you. But I gave off the energy that, 
I was expecting you guys to do something yeah. because I kept narrowing the passageways you were walking through, metaphorically speaking. Um, and I think in retrospect, I would have kind of reversed that and given you more room to move, but known what the big overall evil thing was going to be better. You know what I mean? Does that make any sense? Yeah. Uh, as far as changing the way that I would play the game, uh, as a player, no, not really. I would just try hard not to metagame that way, right? Because I think trying to play the game as a DM player would get in the way of the DM, I guess, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. uh, I have a question for Dad. Yeah. Clint, how did you decide that Argo was going to go through with the revenge and not try to let the Commodore live? What about the character led you to that choice? And that's from Nicholas. Um... I, I prepped Argo more than any character I've ever done before. I love yeah. Argo, by the way. I don't know if I said it. Argo was very fun to DM for. Thank you. I, I enjoyed playing Ar Argo. It was, and I decided on the revenge thing pretty, I mean, from the get-go, you know, before we even started. Um, and and that was always kind of in the, in the back of his mind. Um, and when we first encountered the Commodore, it was kind of a, um, you know, I'm doing this for, for his mom, for, for Shabby, for Shabby's memory, to get revenge. It was very much a revenge thing. Yeah. And, you know, I might have wavered a few times, you know, should I make that choice? Should I not make that choice as we, as we progressed? <laughs> Him uh, wanting revenge on the Commodore morphed into extreme hatred of the Commodore. And yeah. just, he was so reprehensible on Thank every you. possible level. Trav, you leaned into the reprehensibility um, of the character. I don't think we've had a lot of like truly hateable characters. I think we've had a lot of bad guys who, you know, if you squint hard enough, you can see where they're coming from. And I wanted a character that was just a real piece of shit. Yeah. Uh, I, I knew that he was going to, to honor Shabri. He had to honor his mom. And I think that's why, you know, didn't let him off the hook. Besides, you know, I think if he had spared him, there was always the chance that he was going to come back, regain his power. Damn, and Dad. so fucking capital punishment, Mr. Capital punishment. So I, I didn't was, get a second yeah, chance, huh? I, I broke bad. On yeah. I'll say um, wowzers. So yeah, I, I, I kind of stayed, I didn't waver much, but there, you know, I, I, it got to that point and just as in a lot of the things that we do. And, and I, I especially do in playing this game is to try to be in the moment and not force things. And at that exact moment, that's what it felt like Argo should do. We have an aura frame here at our house, and we primarily use it to show pictures of our kids and the fun stuff that we do. And my favorite thing about it is that it's so easy to upload pictures on that as soon as we get home from doing something fun, we just immediately put the pictures up there so we don't forget to do it. You know, because I, I've tried, we try to do picture frames and stuff in the past, and then we never remember to put them on. But with Aura, it's so easy to load it up 
that it has become kind of a, a digital scrapbook more than anything else. So if you have been looking to get the pictures that are trapped in your phone and set them free in a way that other people can see them, might I recommend Aura Frames. They're stylish, they're easy to use, you're gonna love it. And it was named the number one digital picture frame by Wirecutter, and for a good reason. It's so easy to set up, and they have different frame options, all kinds. And the best part is it comes with unlimited storage. So, right now you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frames with code ADVENTURE. That's A-U-R-A, frames.com, promo code ADVENTURE. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it's me, the internet's Travis McRoy. Yes, that's right, powerful influencer, Travis McRoy. You know, people are always asking me, Travis... How did you become such a powerful influencer in the world? Well, I'll let you in on my secret. It's Squarespace. Yes, that's right. Squarespace, the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. You can stand out with a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell anything. Your products, content you create, or even your time. What? What influencer doesn't do that? I ask you. I'll wait. That's right. None of them. They all do that, and you can do it with Squarespace. Okay, here's uh, just as an aside. You can also use Squarespace even if you're uh, not an influencer, um, and even if the idea of being an influencer uh, makes you throw up a little bit in your mouth, don't worry, Squarespace is still useful. With Fluid Engine, a next-generation website design system from Squarespace, it's never been easier for anyone to unlock unbreakable creativity. With Fluid Engine, a next-generation website design system from Squarespace, it's never been easier for anyone to unlock unbreakable creativity. Start with the best-in-class website template and customize every design detail with reimagined drag-and-drop technology for desktop or mobile. With Squarespace scheduling, clients can quickly view your availability and book their own reservations, appointments, or classes, and you can sell products on an online store. Whether you sell physical or digital products, Squarespace has the tools for you. So go to squarespace.com adventure for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use offer code ADVENTURE to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Chicago! We're coming to you. We're coming for you. We're coming at you. And we're also coming to C2E2. And we're doing live shows. All a bunch of stuff in April. April 24th, we're going to be doing My Brother, My Brother and Me, which is nearly sold out. And Taz, which is selling out fast. So do not wait. April 25th is Taz. April 24th is My Brother, My Brother and Me. April 26th through the 28th, we're doing C2E2. Schedule to be announced. You can get your C2E2 badges now, but you do not need a badge to attend the live shows. Tickets for those shows are on sale at bit.ly slash Tours. All the information is there. Go check it out. Also, we've got a newsletter in case you've been wondering what's the best way to keep up with our new tour dates and announcements and stuff like that, go to bit.ly slash newsletter. And of course, check out all of the merch over at macroymerch.com. A lot of great stuff. Fungalore sticker pack, um, naming of the year poster. Uh, we've got the little Sailor Man pin and 10% of all proceeds this month go to the Foundation for Black Women's Wellness. So go check it out, macroymerch.com. And now back to the show. Mr. Robotman, what are you doing? I'm just taking one last look at my co-workers. Every journey comes to an end. Remember, Black, the space will be with you always. Sorry, who are you again? Master Kieran. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. Sorry. Just calling in. <laughs> Friendships will be tested. Don't you have to do it. You have to shoot Black. 
Okay. Wow, you shot him so fast. Destinies will be fulfilled. I've become a complete bird. I'm flying. I'm flying. On April 28th, the saga starts concluding. Guys, we don't have a choice. We have to put on a show. We can do it in the old barn. We've got the costumes. We've got a stage. We can do it, you guys. Mission to Zix, the final season on Maximum Fun. Um, I have a question for Justin. Yes. So, on Earth, my Nina. Loved hearing such a prominent TMBG reference during such a prominent story beat for the Fear Bulk. That band was huge for me during my cultural development, so I found it very touching. Just can't help but wondering, was there a rationale behind it, or was it a spur-of-the-moment thing? And that was Ned. Asked that. Uh, uh, it was not a spur-of-the-moment thing. Um, it was something I'd thought about for a long time, actually. Um, if you listen to the uh, the episode where... It's they're planning a uh, scam to run on the centaurs, but I they don't want the fearbulg to know because he won't be able to lie about it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Did we talk about remember. this in the last the, the Adventure Zone Zone? Maybe this feels familiar I was, now. Actually, I was I I was humming that tune, the the tune to the song. It's something I've always loved. I love the idea that. It was a. It sort of challenges the idea of what it. This is going to sound so ridiculous but it sort of challenges the idea of what is art because it is the reversal of an existing song that then has like lyrics that sound like the reversal of the song sort of juxtaposed onto it Mm -hmm. so like they're the result of phonetic um uh, circumstance and not necessarily like an artistic choice uh i liked it because it also kind of sounds like a different language because it is not, uh, you know, the lyrics are it is very reversed. abstract. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the the melody also is very sort of fucking sucks yeah, to compose haunting. music to. Wowzers! Yeah, wow, that was a uh, tough one. Yeah, it's defies... still one of my favorite. I love that the music and and Justin using it. I think uh, made that a really cool moment in the show. Yeah, I I felt good. I knew I was going to deploy it at some point. I just didn't know. You know, you have some things that you want to try to get to as a character. And I think that one of the challenges of that, like I'll give you an example in um, when Amnesty w- revealing that his name was Wayne, I knew his name was Wayne. And I knew that it was like a lever I could pull. It was a payoff I could deliver when the moment was right. And yeah. it's, finding the balance of like not rushing stuff like that and just trusting that the moment will come and that when you deploy it, you know, it'll, the longer you wait, the more you've sort of built to it. Um, and this is not exactly that. Cause it's not like I left a bunch of like, you know, uh, uh, breadcrumbs towards this, towards this song, but I knew that I could use it. I knew that at some point, like it would be part of the thing. Um, and it was nice. And I knew that with the Gary thing too. Like I knew, uh, could be. I I made the connection in my head pretty early on between the Gary Hive Mind and the Fearbulg sort of like community above all else uh, ideas, and and that that was sort of like a a fit that could make sense. Yeah. Um. So, I I kind of um. You mentioned having something like in your head that you're like I I will use this when the time is right. The second 
uh, Griffin said that uh, Fitzroy belonged to this like knighthood thing that he didn't know if it was real or not. I instantly was like, it is real, and they will be showing up. (laughs) It was just like, I immediately knew, like, yes, yes, yes. And I don't know if it came across in the end, because I kept saying floating, and now, in retrospect, listening to it back, I'm worried that that makes it sound like it's a floating like island or something. But I was thinking about it more in the terms of, like, guys and dolls. Wherever you are, there's It's a floating crap game. Right, 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 right. Is that the, there is no physical place of good castle it is that you belong to good castle whenever good you're somewhere where a castle is good right that is how you know so <laughs> that when when good castle is called upon they you come together as good castle yeah and then you disperse back to your uh individual places hmm. was kind of what i was going for but like as soon i was like i cannot wait for the army of good castle to appear it's yeah. all i want uh as long as we're talking music I have a question for Griffin. Hmm. Um, what was your inspiration for the music for graduation? It always was perfectly fitting to the situation and really helped set the scene. That's from Tyler. Um, it was, there are a few different ones. Uh, I feel like for, when I, when I was doing Amnesty, I found like some different weird kind of scary synthetic stringed instruments that I was like really into. Uh, And so that was sort of the defining sound for a lot of that. Um, But that led me down to this path of uh, a lot of different uh, sort of, uh, I I don't know, instruments I hadn't messed around with before, Uh, like a Koto and like, you know, some other non-Western stringed instruments, which was sort of a, a a departure from the Appalachian dulcimer from from Amnesty. Um, I basically just, I, I purchased a whole bunch of different uh, acoustic instrument sounds and started to mess around with those. And um, I think a big inspiration was Chrono Cross. I don't know if you guys ever played that one, but it had this mm-hmm. very, like, lively acoustic sound using a bunch of different sort of uh, world instruments. And that was a big inspiration for a long time. Uh, and then, uh, I don't know, I started to mess with with loops again, um, not sort of the garage band loops that was the the bread and butter for uh, Taz Balance, but but uh, other other forms of, of looped instruments. And I'm rambling a lot. Honestly, I feel like I started pretty coherently, both this question and the music for Taz Graduation. Um, <laughs> but then over time, I don't know, especially as the game changed, as the story changed, as we leaned more into this like concept of chaos and change, then, then I felt a little bit more empowered to... Uh, mess around with 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 different sounds, but uh, yeah, the Chrono Cross uh, inspiration also. Uh, I realized this well after we had started the season, but the theme song for Taz Graduation sounds kind of a lot like the theme song to Chrono Cross. So I feel like well, there, there was a a, a a bit of um, an homage, know, osmos- osmosis. Yeah, homage makes it sound intentional, uh, which which it wasn't. Which I, then I think is just pure theft at that point. <laughs> Uh, I shot because you mentioned chaos. That was inspired by Griffin's choice, not the other way around. Like Griffin deciding to like play the chaos wizard barbarian Fitzroy, kept like giving me idea. Like I liked that idea so much. Yeah, and like it was such a fun element 
in in just scenes and combat and everything that like I just kept doing it more and more until we invented like until I invented the character of chaos. And then I thought of, oh, this is so dumb. But the thing that made me think of order was there's a line in uh, Mel Brooks's Blazing Saddles where I believe Howard Johnson says, you know, Nietzsche says out of chaos comes order. And I thought of that, that line popped in my head and I thought, oh yeah, there's gotta be a balance. There's another side. Yeah. And so then order came out. And you know, I think one of the things that the, the final battle is maybe one of my favorite, it, it might be like the culmination to me of like, my favorite thing from the whole season. Same. Because it just felt like, oh, yep, this is, everything has added up to this. Uh, it was just a like, fucking, it was a lot of fun. Like, you, you yeah. asked about uh, be, being a player. Like, that was some of the most fun I've ever had playing Dungeons and Dragons because it was just like, it was bonkers. It was it was uh, unapologetically bonkers in a way. That I, I think that handle. that, uh, you know, I think my biggest regret uh, of of DMing this season was that Travis. Do you have any regrets left over from this? Oh, season? Oh, thank you for asking. This is from Jeff. Putting aside the division from fans and outside opinions aside, are there things you wish you had the time, energy, and capacity to do this season, Jeff? Uh, that's a Jeff original. That's maybe. a Jeff OG. Um, I I went into this trying to DM like Griffin. I went into this trying to make it feel like balance and amnesty. And I think that there's uh, an inherent problem with switching DMs, what, 120 some episodes in, right? But I, I was trying to make it feel like that. And I, if I could do it again, I think I would go back and say like, hey, you need to figure out your own kind of style because I think in that final fight, that was the time where I think it felt most like just me doing it, where it's like, yeah, it's absolutely bonkers, right? This like, there's fucking lasers shooting everywhere and you're turning into cats and figurines and there's a thousand hellhounds and it's absolutely wild and there's trees growing in the ceiling, like that kind of shit. Like, <laughs> I'll always think of the um, Bigfoot Stole My Car uh, live show where Griffin turned into his character, who I think was 11-year-old Griffin, yeah. turned into a car, right? And that kind of shit is like when I have the most fun DMing. But I also think that inherently, if I had played that way from the beginning, it would have felt like a different show in its own way. I don't know. You know, I think that that was a tricky needle to thread, and I didn't thread it from either direction. <laughs> and, well, but in your in your defense, Amnesty suffered... In the in the, I'm so proud of where Amnesty Amnesty ended up. But I was trying to be end of balance DM Griffin mm. when we started Amnesty, and that was and that led me to not give you guys enough agency. It led to a lot of uh, monologuing set up for different concepts and world rules and introducing too many characters that I would never come back to. And like these are the same complaints that people have leveraged at at at, at graduation. And it's it's it is a desire, I think, to 
I don't know, return to a kind of storytelling that we hit at the end of a season, at the beginning of the season, and I don't think that works. Like, I straight up just don't think it works at all. In, in well, and, and I will say, uh, small spoiler for the next season, because people will be listening and saying, well, if it's a problem, what are you going to do? I think that the way that we've started the next season addresses that. I think it will fix that um, because of the transition into it. You know what I mean? Like, I think we, we have changed the way we have done world building. Mm-hmm. And I think that that will give us a cleaner start without yeah. that kind of rebound relationship. Feeling. And we can talk, we can talk more about that at the, at the end. Of the I world. also noticed that nobody ever says I was really trying to DM like dad did in commitment. <laughs> <laughs> or like Justin <laughs> did. And, in, in, uh, uh I'd never, I'd never this, if graduation taught me anything, it's that I'm, Definitely still never, ever, 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 ever going to DM. It seems so hard. Uh, and and it seems really hard and stressful and there's just no way. Uh, and I'll never do forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think ever for- do I would I don't have the guts, I don't have the courage, I don't have the work ethic, don't have the creativity, don't have any of the things that would require to make it a good experience for anybody. Uh, uh, above all the listeners, I'll never ever do it. Thank you to Travis for biting that bitter, bitter pill because I'll never do it myself. I'm glad I could be here for you, Justin. At this point, it seems like balance was a particularly long arc, but do any of you have a preference for the length of the arcs? That's from Julian, and I think I'm probably best positioned. Okay, so please, please. No, I'm not. <laughs> okay, great. I my original plan for graduation was 50 episodes. I wanted uh it to be in five chunks, uh 10 episode chunks. And you know, if you want to make God laugh, make a plan. <laughs> so I I will be honest, right? There there came a moment, if I may open my heart for a moment. There came a moment Oh, I think about 20 some episodes in where I just wanted to stop it, where I didn't want to keep making it because uh, I didn't feel like I was doing a good job. Uh, I, I knew that it, that there were some people out there who really did not like it. Um, and like I, I even entertained the idea of seeing if we would be able to like uh, bring someone in to finish out the season. A and cleaner. I would just step. A, yeah. mist, a Mr. Wolf. Yeah, and I would just step away from it, and then they could finish it, and we could move on to something else. Um, and that was a, a very hard place to be. And then I thought that is not fair to the people who have liked graduation. That is not fair to Dad and Justin and Griffin, who have put a lot of work into these characters. And there are aspects of this that I like, and there are aspects of DMing that I like doing. And so instead, I just kind of redoubled my focus on the story and the things that I liked and working with the characters and that kind of thing. And I think by the end of it, it got to a place that I was very, very, very proud of um, and that I I really liked the finale. I thought the finale was exactly what the finale of Graduation should be. Like editing it, listening to that last episode, I mean, you know, 20 times while I'm editing it. And every time I thought more and more like, this feels right for not only the battle, but also like where everybody ended up and like the the final scene just felt so tonally right for graduation. Yeah. And so as far as the length goes, I mean, 
I don't think it's about a number of episodes, right, or length, right? Some books, when you write them, are 700 pages. And some books, when you write them, are 300 pages. And I think it's just about the story being told, where I think Graduation had a much more epic, or sorry, Balance had a much more epic, universe-sweeping story. Mm -hmm. And I think Graduation and Amnesty both had a much more focused you know, like a little more linear story that just didn't take as many episodes to tell. Well, also, I think that that there's also a big difference uh, between calling it an arc and calling it a season because balance was a season made up of what? Six, seven, very distinct. Seven seven or eight arcs. Yeah, sure. Arcs that, that were very different in, you know, in, in setting and tone and, and, and everything else. And, you know, I think that that's a big difference in, in treating a, a season that's, that's broken up like that. Well, but also we weren't thinking about balance as a season while we were doing it. I don't think, or at least I wasn't when I was like structuring it. And that's like, that's honestly the place where I would love for Taz to get back to is like, Having it, we don't think about um, a bim bam as having seasons, right? So, like in the very same way, I was not thinking about balance in, in in that way. I was just thinking about it as this is the show where we come and we play Dungeons and Dragons, and then maybe you know, by the time we were getting through the suffering game, I was like, oh, okay, I see the end in sight now, and now let's start working to it. But it wasn't like this is going to be sixty nine episodes. As funny as that would have been to have that be the target from the from the very beginning. Um, I, I feel like it would be fun to just sort of have the world that we play in and not sweat so much necessarily having having, you know, big big climactic, you know, uh sweep sweep moments and stuff like that and just sort of being a, a bit more, I don't know, kind of organic. I just feel like it would be easier. Uh, which is, you know, now my concern now that I have two children and I'm staring down the barrel of DMing again. Um, let's see. Um, uh, well, here's one. Uh, have you considered including guests for short arcs and future campaigns and why or not? Um, not in the show proper, uh, only because like, I think we've done it once or twice in like live shows and stuff. Yeah. But the scheduling of it and the planning of it is logistically Difficult enough already with the four of us uh, and our various time commitments to things. But that's it. And please uh, know that that's not bullshit. We are recording this, the, the Adventure Zone Zone, after having to bump it twice. Because we, like, it's t- it's fucking hard for the four of us to get together and record shit these it's days. It's also a massive time commitment. It is, um, like... It's also, like, uh, and this is, like, honestly gets down to, like, practical logistics... Um, a four-person podcast is a lot. A four-person remote podcast is a lot of people. For us, I'm I'm sure there are there are people who are more skilled than I that that can that can swing it better. We are very fortunate to know each other's rhythms, like backwards and forwards. But I think that like trying to insert a a fifth body, no matter whose body it may be, into that uh that uh, a remote like role playing game phone call is like a massive a uh, uh, a massive challenge. I I think that would be like we it, for one offs and stuff like that. It's I think um uh a lot easier to do because there's less pressure on it yeah. and it can just be kind of fun and freewheeling. 
Um, but for like the day in day out, like it's it's it would be really tough. And for those one offs, I mean, like live shows, it's always fun to have guests. And I think that as as if we are able to do more in the future at like conventions and stuff, I think having more guests for that is a slam dunk. And uh, started trying to put together more like one off video stuff for YouTube, but that is a lot more production. We have one. Uh, that is being edited right now that I don't know when it'll be out, but it's super fun that it's like me and all guests. Uh, but more stuff like that. I mean, trying to, trying to, you know, there's so many amazing creators in in the uh, like RPG world. Trying to get more of them involved would be great. You know, it's just for the show itself, logistically, it's so difficult. Uh, I was wondering, this is from Sahara, who, one, who is everyone's favorite NPCs? And two, what is everyone's favorite moment for graduation? Huh. I really like uh, Sabor was one that I very much enjoyed. Um, Named after Paul Saborin. Uh, yeah. That I was the turtle, right? The turtle? The turtle. Mostly mostly because scenes between <laughs> Sabor and Fearbolg. I straight yeah, up went I just to get it. a snack. <laughs> I got a fucking Capri Sun and drank uh, all of it during one of those that scenes. That was so funny. <laughs> I, I like doing those. I liked all oh, of Festo is obviously the best. I loved being Festo yeah, character Festo was of the really season. The best one. Um, uh, I also I liked... liked being Snippers though. Snippers was very fun from my point of view. Right. I loved playing as Snippers. I liked Gary a lot. Oh yeah, I liked, yeah, I liked great. them very much. I liked. Um, there was a guy in a bar. That was like a, a janitor at the bar. Who was the guy we talked to at a bar that just like came out of nowhere? Really? Oh, right, right, right. A lot of fucking scenery. He was like a fake hologram person, right? Because it was just for a um a, a lesson thing. Oh, my like gosh. We were learning No, Ledger I'm not Main. even thinking about that. It's like when we got called out by uh, the, the centaur woman uh, who, oh, Jesus Christ. I'm oh, you're talking about Patrick Shortburton. But yes. Yeah, that's who I'm talking about. Yeah, he delighted me. Uh, I Festo, of course, and uh, uh, Rainier. I loved every scene that that we had with Rainier. And uh, for me, I think it's gray. I but that, like I'm a fucking sucker for the good, like super evil guy becomes reluctant ally. Like, yeah, there is. Doesn't love that. I was thinking art. about it the whole time. Um, so in reboot, the cartoon reboot, there was a moment. It was Enzo's birthday when the. I think about like, Enzo's birthday a lot. Well, the bad guy shows up and it looks like he's Megabyte. about to attack. But what's his name? Megabyte. Megabyte shows up and it looks like he's about to attack. But instead, like he and Bob do like a dueling electric guitars thing, and then Megabyte just like walks away. And I think of, I think that that more than anything is the clearest inspiration for Gray's character. I wish that that wasn't true, but I think Megabyte from Reboot is the closest thing to a direct inspiration for Gray's character. When are we oh, going to do that reboot, that reboot season? Oh, boy, I would love that. Are you kidding me? Ugh, I love it. Um, I think my favorite, as far as, like, moment was when you guys decided to serve the um, Zorn with a subpoena. Like, that, to me, that represents a moment of, like, tonally how graduation was so different from past arcs of that moment of just like, we are going to give the Zorn a <laughs> It was so wonderfully weird to me and like really worked for me. There was also a moment uh, in, um, in Mission Impossible where Ian the Imp 
like you guys killed another imp so hard that Ian decided to stop being evil and take up cheesemongering. And like that that made me really happy too. Can we do a lightning round so I can return to my yeah, yeah, shrieking yeah. Let's do a, child? We'll do a lightning round so then we can talk a little bit. This is one. This is an easy lightning round one. Favorite character that you have played. Um, you've all got a few quite a few characters under character sheets under your belt from this is from Inverted Crab. Um, who is the uh, who's the favorite character you guys have played in all of Taz? Uh, mine is still Magnus. I love all my characters a lot, but Magnus is like the the most fun I think I had. Uh, Ned for me, as much as mm. I love Merle, um, and and I really enjoyed playing Argo. Argo was hard for me to play because uh, I don't think I was very good at playing a rogue. I rogue is sir. rogue is no. Not, he's talking mechan- mechanically. It is a, yeah, oh, it's, a complex it's, thing. Yeah, it's it's not an easy class. I admire, and I had a lot of people who would say, "Okay, here's what you do," um, and I admire people who can do it. But it was it was difficult for me, and I think it was difficult. I think if you're playing a game, and and with with a bunch of rogue fits into dungeon crawling and 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 the standard stories. But in a narrative function like this, I yeah. thought it was it was hard for Trav to to fit in roguery, and it was a it was a, a by virtue of how this season kind of was, which is to say, like there wasn't a ton of fighting, there wasn't yeah. a ton of of combat, and that's not a knock against it. It's just like a that was not that was not what we were, you know. No, doing I do want to say, a- Andre asked about that, and the thing is, is like I think that I will take some responsibility for that. It took me a long time to figure out, and I think I'm still working on it, how to make combat interesting in an audio format. Like, I think that it is, it is a challenging thing that I'm not good at. And so like, I always kind of shied away from it because I didn't know how to do it well. Um, But yeah, but rogue is such a mechanical class. Like they are the skills class. The rogue exists to, Roll very, very, yeah. to roll yeah. very, and, very well. And yeah. I'm glad I did it. I'm glad I, I, I tried it. And I mean, we always, at least I do, I always try to pick a different class when we're playing something that's, you know, D&D based just to, you know, to experiment with it and, and see what it does to, to kind of shape the character. Right. Um, it was, uh, it was Justin fun. and Griffin, characters. Yeah, Wait. I mean, Fitzroy, I don't really have another. I, I've enjoyed all of the, like, I liked playing... Um, I liked my my Christopher. I think his name was his character. My character in um, Commitment. Uh, no, wait. What was his name? Shit. S- is it Spring Hill? Spring- Tony. Tony Baloney was his name. His name was Tony Baloney. Um, oh, what about God. Dust? What about the werewolf in Dust? Uh, oh, that was a good yeah, one. Yeah, I fucking really liked playing him. I don't know. I was so I I I didn't plan for like. The kind of Errol Ryehouse. Errol Ryehouse yeah, is a pretty a fucking good name. name. Uh, I didn't. I didn't have any designs on Fitzroy. Like I had very little intention while playing Fitzroy. I just tried to w- make decisions based on how I thought that Fitzroy would make decisions. And seeing how he sort of organically turned out was a really fucking cool thing for me because that is one thing you don't get from DMing. When 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 I was DMing, you know, both seasons I've DMed at this point you can't be necessarily free freewheeling like that with 
uh, with character development, just because you don't have the time for it. But with Fitzroy, I don't know. It was so it was so cool to make decisions as Fitzroy and be like, oh shit, like I didn't I didn't think that that is where I you know where this character was going to go. Uh, and and so I don't know. Errol Ryehouse is uh, objectively a much cooler name. Uh, but I, I loved playing Fitzroy. I genuinely did. I, I'm, I'm very grateful to have gotten to play him. I think the most fun for me was, um, probably Duck Newton. <laughs> Just cause Duck. Duck was a, Duck was a, um, is very close to my heart as, as like, as somebody like, I feel like his rhythms are, are that I really grew up with a lot of people who were in the Duck mold. Um, I think it's a fun character um i always i mean i love like chip huggensby and pepsi liberty and some of my other like pepsi liberty is my favorite character of yours it's a good single joke character i I, you know what i have been thinking about it a lot in in the and it's something i've been thinking about as i go into like the the next arc is i think i've kind of cheated with characters that i've played to this point where not cheated but it's definitely like a form or whatever but like almost every character I've played is someone who defines himself as being outside the main action of the thing, right? Like, you know, Taco's good out here. The fear bulb is someone who's like very much an outsider who sticks to like his own code of ethics before the narrative thrust of the thing. And even, even duck who is sort of like arguably, you know, the The chosen one, one of the chosen one, right? was the thing that made Duck interesting was his refusal to take the lead in the narrative. Yeah. Um, it's kind of something I think I've leaned on too much is like waiting to see what the story is going to be, that what the other characters are going to be, and then picking someone who is like interesting in contrast to the main narrative and the other the other characters rather than somebody who's like there to serve the base narrative rather than their own um, uh, their own interests. I think it's something that I've leaned on uh, too much in the in the past um, seven years. I don't know. Rick Diggins was a pretty far cry from what you're describing. Rick Diggins was Rick fair. Diggins was not a Taz yeah, character, but would uh, be my answer. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's there's a I can answer a bunch of questions all at once because a lot of people want to know about like what would have happened if the Fearbulg uh, had realized that Hieronymus was the dog. That's from Eric. Uh, as the new, de- how do you deal with times when the player character make choices you weren't expecting? That's from Mao. Uh, what's, there's another one from Katie on here. The thing is, is like I did not know what the next episode was going to be when we were recording any given episode. Um, like not until we got to like the hog, like heist stuff. Did you anticipate us? Deciding to dismantle the Heroic Oversight Guild. Um, I don't think I anticipated that. I think I had, uh, by that point, I think I was feeling a lot more confident and just saying, here is the problem, and it's up to you to come up with the solution. Yeah. Whereas, like, looking back at, like, the Apple, for example, uh, I think that that was too much of me saying, here is the problem, and here Here's is the, the solution. solution. Right. Yeah. How are you going to do the solution? Yeah. Right. Whereas I think by the time we got to the problems with the Hulk Oversight Guild and saying you need to create some chaos, I mostly just said, here's the problem. Right. Um, 
I have a very quick, a lot of people asked what the name I had written down on the Fearbulgs character sheet was. Uh, it was not Gary. It was uh, uh, Grimlo. G-R-I-M-L-O. And that was not really anything I ever planned on deploying during the show. I just wanted a... That's not can- That's not canon, you're saying. It's not canon. It's just I wanted something that was kind of like a secret that he and I had. Mm-hmm. Um, Your Glenn Close feel, secret, yes. Uh, made me feel more connected to him. Um, and so I had always called him Grimlo in my head. The boys had seen that because it's on my character sheet and they saw it in like D&D Beyond or whatever. But um, yeah, it was Grimlo. Uh, I also want to say, Andrew also asked how much did you consult with other DMs uh, before and during the campaign? Uh, this is a great opportunity for me to say thank you to Satine Phoenix and Matt Mercer and B. Dave Walters and Tanya DePass and Brennan Lee Mulligan and I'm sure I'm forgetting people, but like anybody who has done uh, like DMing for for stuff like this, I consulted because like, you know, there are people out there who have done it for longer and do it better than I ever could. And to not ask them about it would be absolutely silly. Um, and yeah, so and they were all willing to, to give a lot of help. So thank you to you all. And thanks to you for listening to the Adventure Zone graduation. It will always hold a very special place in my heart. I'm proud of the uh, incredible little uh, sparks and flames and lights that of, of creation that radiate throughout the entire project. I think there's unique characters and people and stories that could only and will only exist in graduation and I will always treasure them. And I hope that you take something away from it as well. There's one last thing I do want to answer. Uh, when the Thundermen turned into their in-real-life McElroy counterparts during the finale, did all the Hellhounds and Gary in order and the dragons turn into Travis? Uh, that's from Jasper. Yes, they did. It's all yeah. me it's in different up. costumes. It's but it's all me. Is. Yep. It's fucked up. Um, and they all had Travis's voice. Oh, yeah. It was yeah, amazing. It was, it was very scary. So, one week from today, if I'm, my timing is right, the next season will begin. Uh, the first episode of the next season, as Travis hinted at earlier, we're we're starting the season out a little bit differently uh, with a world building game called Quiet Year uh, that is going to run for a few episodes as we sort of build the skeleton of the season. And I swear to God, it's so much more fun than that made it sound. Uh, it gets, I think it gets yeah. wild. It gets wild, and I think it sets a really f- fun and strong start for for this season. Um, and super, we were sorry to we were sorry to see that portion of it. Yes, I that's yeah. how much yeah. fun we had. Yeah, I, I got the idea from uh, friends at the table, which did the same thing for their Marielda season, which is uh, excellent. You should go listen to that if you want to get an idea of like how that game works. Go go listen to that. I, I think it's just the first couple episodes of that season. It's fucking stellar. Um, and that's that's what we're doing. I don't want to go into too many more specifics because on Monday, Max Fun Drive starts. Didn't really talk about that yet. And so, I mean, we'll have a lot more for you talking about Max Fun Drive because we are a pledge-funded show and we're on yes. the Max Fun Network and we've done this for uh, a long time now and, and you know, still still need your support to, uh, to, to keep doing the show. But Monday, we are also going to drop a trailer for the next season, which will reveal everything. Uh, and that trailer is uh, is from Mimi Chu, uh, and they have done trailers for uh, Graduation and Amnesty, and uh, they do incredible work, and I'm fucking stoked. They have outdone themselves. They have outdone themselves, Yeah, yes. this is yeah. Out, out of control. Um, so, so just to clarify, we'll have that trailer on Monday, and then an episode Thursday, and then another episode the following Thursday, and then another episode, another episode that episode following Thursday. Yeah, so we'll have, I think, three weeks in a row of... of uh, of of these of these world building episodes, which uh, are 
seriously very fun and uh i'm i'm so excited for this next season and we'll talk more about it then but i really want to say anything like who's dming i'm dming it uh yeah i don't know dnd rolls yeah heavily heavily added to i've basically made a uh, my own sort of add-on module for oh i was just saying dnd rolls to the extreme very module yeah uh yeah, it's going to be fun. It is. It is wild. Yeah. It's very right. different than anything we've done before. Thank you to you. The most characters listening. that we've ever had in a Oh, oh my god. Season. Like I've got fucking 500 easy. There's Jeff, there's Derek, there's dumb Jeff. There's dumb Jeff. <laughs> Stupid Derek. Big stick Derek. <laughs> Smart Derek. Oh, he's a riot. Well, yeah, he it's, like, it's ironic. He dies instantly. Yeah. Okay. Episode so, one. Right. Bye. bye. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported. Max Fun Drive's almost here. It starts on Monday, May 3rd, ends on May 14th, and it's the best time to support the shows you love. Here are some folks like you sharing what Max Fun and our shows mean to them. Most importantly, it's meant community. And uh, yeah, just thanks for hanging out, making joke em up, and making my week a little bit brighter. So. Thanks, Max. Fun for making me a better person and making sure that I'm surrounded by better people. Thanks again for all you do. Love supporting Max Fun and uh, keep it up. Come back Monday, May 3rd for more details from your favorite hosts. We'll have some of the best episodes of the year, special Max Fun Drive thank you gifts, and maybe a few surprises. That's Monday, May 3rd. Until then, 